Dalton back to throw. Boom! Pass! Boom! Yeah! AJ Green! Yeah! Touchdown! Oh! Bengals! Big! Drew Brees under center, eye formation, Zach Line and Alvin Kamara, two wide receivers to his left, Traquan Smith in motion across the formation. Handoff inside, Alvin Kamara, he's got a big hole. He's to the 35, to the 30, to the 20. It's a foot race to the goal line, to the five. Touchdown, Alvin Kamara, 49 yards. Brady stands in long to left for a wide open corner. Patterson. Oh, Patterson makes the catch, turns upfield, makes Woo! a cut at the 20, right to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Jabisky takes, shovels, Gabriel running right, blocked from Robinson, he's in for the touchdown, touchdown Bears! Mariota throws in the end zone, man is there, touchdown Titans, Corey Davis, his first ever touchdown catch at Nissan Stadium, that's why you pick him! it over, out of the shotgun, he fakes the handoff to Montgomery, dumps it over to Jimmy Graham, left side of the pylon, touchdown! It's down, Daniel with the hold, Fairbairn's kick is up, and it's good! And the Texans win in overtime at the buzzer, 37-34! Ball's caught by Dante Moncrief, inside the 20, to the 15, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown! And that is the final snap of this game. The clock's going to run out, and the Ravens... After a 14-14 tie at the half, ride four Justin Tucker field goals in the second half to a 26-14 win. For the win. Ring the church bells. The Raiders are a winner. Just finished, baby. How about that? Here's the shotgun snap. He catches right arm. He runs up the middle of the 10. Runs to the near side, the 5. Angling at the near pylon. Touchdown, Mahomes! He looked, he saw, he ran, and he scores! Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you... Yes, you! In the game. I'm so excited about our trip. I'm, I'm... There's a little part of me, after what we saw from the Rams and the Chiefs this weekend, that is thinking to myself... How much would it cost me to add on flying to Mexico, going to watch their Monday night football game, and then flying back from there instead? Yeah, obviously, we'd have to pay all sorts of extortionate fees to airlines, I'm sure, for changing bookings within a month because they're all riff-off merchants. But maybe the brilliant Ben Mortimer from Touchdown Trips uh, could sort that out. I'm not even going to ask him about it because I know he listens. So I'm going to wait and see if he gets in touch with me. <laughs> this is a, yeah. I, we, just, Me- we, Mexico we, City is mental, and uh, apparently the Azteca is a crazy stadium. It was impossible for me to get an extra ticket, or even in on media, when I went uh, a couple of years ago. We weren't rights holders then. Of course we weren't rights holders then. However, if anyone can do it, I think the man, the only man, the main man, Ben Mortimer, can Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought you were going to say Triple B, but uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to pull that nonsense on me. Um, yeah, Ben, what a hero. What a guy. Touchdown trips. If you're planning to head out to the States, just the absolute best way to do it. Uh, Ollie, how are you doing, buddy? 
Do you know what? I have been getting really excited about the tour as well. I've been telling people. In fact, only yesterday I was going through with anyone who was within earshot or was unfortunate to be in within earshot. <laughs> uh, and just, I just, going through the tour again, it, it's great. And I can't wait because football in the States is the best. And that's fact. Fact. So if you can scrape a bit, a bit of money together and you're a Chiefs fan and you want to see Pat Mahomes do Pat Mahomesy things, incredible things like he did on Monday Night Football. If you want to go and see that this season, that's the best way of doing it because they look so good, don't they, Willie? Oh, I might pick that as my first game. We're going to run through the week four games and just pick the ones we want to talk about. In fact, what I want to, let's start off with this, because during Monday Night Football, I had a chat with, um, with Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL sure. on my talk sports show, and we talked about a, few, a wide-ranging set of subjects. Um, let's kick off with a bit of Greggy. And then, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into our, our picks and our chats about the games. Good. Awesome. Here is Greg Rosenthal. Very good morning, Greg. How are we doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? Yeah, well, you know, just uh, enjoying... Well, I, do you know what? Tonight, enjoying actually watching a, a back-and-forth game of, of football that doesn't involve 60-plus points, because that feels like the direction we've gone in this season. Yeah, I know that offense really makes you Brits uncomfortable. Too much scoring. You like you like these defensive battles. I don't know why this is. I am loving all the scoring in the in the thirty eight to thirty five games. And look, if the Colts had just punted the ball away yesterday, we could have had three ties in a season for the first time ever, and we would have loved it. I, I loved uh, I loved the idea that they went for it in their own end just basically accepting that what's the point of a tie. And I kind of agree with that in this year where they're already one and two, you got to win a bunch of games, you know? And so why not go for your win? I think that it earned Frank Reich a lot of points uh, with his, te- with his team. They, they love that he went for it, even though they lost. Um, I, I want to talk through, um, you, you've uh, released an article on, uh, on NFL.com uh, through around the NFL about your uh, quarter post, your first quarter awards of the season. Um, and I figured what better way to kind of talk through what's going on in the NFL right now than to look at a few of these and, and to chat about them. And I wanted to start off with the Cleveland Browns being the most watchable team in the NFL. I mean, if you'd said that four and a half weeks ago. <laughs> I genuinely think you might have lost your job. <laughs> I mean, I still could. I feel like every week it's on, it's on the line. Uh, but I bought into them in Hard Knocks as an entertaining team. Uh, I think that's part of it, is that we kind of got along for the ride with them and just uh, the story of them coming off the winless season. And then you just look at the four games they played. I mean, that's why I call them the most entertaining team. They're incapable of playing anything but a crazy back-and-forth game that's going to come down to the final couple plays. And it's been against, you know, a lot of good teams. The Saints, the Steelers, this Raiders game uh, had a little bit of everything. The Baker-Mayfield Thursday night game was was probably one of the most memorable moments of the season. So the Browns, they could be 4-0. They could be 0-4. They could be 0-0-4 or 1-1-2. You know, they could be anything. Uh, it, that game yesterday, the forty-five to forty-two loss to Oakland, John Gruden's first win since returning. Later on, you mentioned this uh, this roughing the passer call that's been so heavily discussed, the penalty uh, controversy that's being discussed so heavily in the NFL at the moment. I think my biggest problem with what's going on in the NFL at the moment is 
you had a decision in that game on the a decision to reverse a first down after a Carlos Hyde run, which essentially would have seen out the game for the Browns. And what I don't like is, I think they've made a mistake there, but they constantly see the NFL are doubling down on every decision. And they've done it again with the rough in the past thing. And just occasionally I'd like to hear somebody go, yeah, no, we may have got that one wrong. I think that's a great point, and the the best example this year is that Clay Matthews tackle on Kirk Cousins, which initially they defended pretty strongly, and then it came out that he wasn't even fine. And a couple of weeks later, it really sounded like they they kind of decided actually that wasn't uh, a foul. And I do think you, you see them quietly backing away from that roughing the the passer emphasis. This week, there's only been five penalties called. There was an average of over eleven in the first three weeks each week, so that's cut in half this week. I haven't seen any in this uh, Broncos-Chiefs game that I can remember, so I, I think they're, they're kind of self-correcting that that's become a, a bit of a problem, and, and I'm with you. they got to admit when they're, you know, make a mistake, but they're a lot like, uh, you know, you and, and your producer, Ollie. You don't, you don't admit when you get things wrong. <laughs> I think that's in- incredibly harsh. Uh, I held my hands up and apologised to Buffalo Bills fans after they finally got a win last weekend, and then this week I'll be incredibly smug when they've gone back to being the worst team in football again. <laughs> Uh, well, you were right about that one. So I, 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 yeah, well, I t- the thing is, as long as you're willing to both admit your mistakes and crow when you're correct, as long as you do both of them, that's fine. And, you know, Gridiron calling Pat Mahomes the MVP this season and then he's having a performance like he's having tonight, maybe that could be putting that call in jeopardy. Mm. Who knows? Well, that was, this is one game, and I and I think, first of all, they got 12 minutes left. I would not count the Chiefs out yet. And then second... I think we've been waiting to see some adjustments. This is a tough situation playing in Denver. Uh, I'm curious how he's going to respond here. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about your MVP pick too, but too much yet. It still looks pretty good. Um, you, you called the Buffalo Bills the least watchable team, and, and you said the Cardinals were also in consideration for that. But I've got to say, I watched back. I, I kind of spent today watching back a few of the games uh, because I couldn't watch the the. 10 o'clock, 1 o'clock kickoffs, whatever part of the world you're in, whatever time it is for you, 6 p.m. here. Um, I was at a live event, so I couldn't watch them until later on. And of the, uh, of the rookie, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't anything to be excited about. That's why I was, <laughs> that's why I didn't name it. Um, the, um, the, I've watched back the rookie quarterbacks. That was my thing I did today. And I actually thought Josh Rosen probably looked like the best of the, of the bunch yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still. I've seen parts of the Mayfield game and want to dive into that, but I did watch all of Rosen, and I'm I'm with you. I'm impressed, and I think you have to sort of understand that the team he's playing with, the lack of uh, protection, the lack of weapons, and the fact that in the fourth quarter he could put together two just absolutely beautiful drives with a number of nice throws. Uh, against a good defense like the Seahawks to set up uh, a game-tying touchdown in the fourth quarter and then set up a a go-ahead field goal that they missed. Uh, I, I was really excited to watch that, and the and the, chief, the Cardinals coaching staff to me kind of blew their chance by getting very conservative with him instead of letting him uh, just throw the ball at the about his future. That I, I don't know about his mix with this staff that they have right now. Uh, just to update people, the, the Chiefs have just gone for it on for, uh, fourth and one uh, midfield, converted on a, a Patrick Mahomes rollout and a pass to, to Kareem Hunt and actually gone and picked up 15 or 16 yards. That's more like the Chiefs we've enjoyed watching over recent weeks. Uh, let's have another overtime game. We're, we're loving overtime this weekend. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I think we're up to six on the season, which is I, almost the most that's ever been at this point. And I'm I'm really digging the uh, the 10-minute overtime rule, which went into effect last year. It does make a quite a big difference in terms of strategy and game management, and I think it's made it's made the sport a lot more interesting. I think it makes it more interesting, and also a league that you know, when it comes to something like roughing the passer, constantly cites player safety as being part of it. Actually, I think if you're going to go to overtime, shortening it as well, keeping players off the field from being on their const, like that five minutes can make a big difference week to week, especially when you're asking teams to play a Monday to Sunday or a Sunday to Thursday, whatever that might be. So, no, I, I, I with you, I think that's a, a good choice and it ch- changes the way teams approach it. Um, I want to ask about Alvin Kamara because you've got him as your best non-QB MVP candidate. And I think the Saints, when you consider they're getting Mark Ingram back this week, they, they might have to do it in shootout after shootout, but they're quickly becoming my favourite team in the NFC. Hmm. Yeah, the, this game was a great sign for them that they could shut down a bad offense like the Giants. I want to see them do it or just look even respectable on defense when they when they play a halfway decent offense, which they will plenty in that division. But their their offense right now is just so precise. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas is one of the best kind of triplets that, that we've seen uh, in a long time. And Kamara being third in the league in reception, seventh in rushing yards, and having the, the power to run over guys on the goal line, but also play wide receiver, essentially. There's, I don't know if there's another player like him. Like I, I don't know if I'd take a, another running back in the entire NFL over him. I think he would be my number one, my number one pick. It's not a bad shout. I, I, Todd Gurley, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> you've, you've really thrown me on that because you might be absolutely right. Um, can he run between the tackles? <laughs> yes, he can. That's the thing. Is he, he runs people over. And, yeah, he's not that traditional guy like uh, Zeke and Gurley, but just the other skills that he has is, is so amazing. And, and John Payton showed that he can have 10 or 12 you know, runs a game, but also have seven or eight catches, and that's the way to get him 20 touches. Um, the last two things I wanted to ask about. The first one is um, the, the love you've given to the coaching staff of the Tennessee Titans. They're one of the teams coming over and playing in London this year, October 21st. And on paper, that Chargers-Titans game when they announced the season wasn't the, wasn't the sexy pick for the year. But I'm quietly getting really excited about that game now. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And no performance that I've seen by a player or really a team, but especially a player, has changed my mind uh, more in one game than Marcus Mariota and the Titans on Sunday. Because if he can play like that in this offense, which we didn't see in the preseason, we certainly didn't see it as he's battling injury during the season. To me, the, the sky's the limit, that this is an absolute Super Bowl type of contender. Uh, I want to see him do it again, but the way that he threw and ran the ball in, in that offense and and the mental toughness they've shown in, in many different situations so far to win in Jacksonville, to come from behind against the defending champs. I, I really think there's something where you put that in the, in the, in the bank, almost like the mojo bank, and you can take that out during the year. I just think this is going to be a tough team to beat, and I think Mike Rabel's uh, done a better job than I ever could have imagined. And hey, look, we like those 9-6 games in the UK like you've alluded to. Sometimes they're the, those grind-em-out ones are the fun ones to watch. 
Maybe just me. Uh, <laughs> and finally, I just want to ask you about last night's game, the game we had on on Talk Sport, the Ravens going up against the Steelers, because particularly that second half, but the Ravens' performance overall showed me a, a huge amount from a team that I found massively disappointing over the last couple of years, and, and vice versa. The, the Steelers, with the talent they've had over the past three or four years we've just had the news tonight that that Lev Bell is planning to come back at their week seven bye and and does plan to play for the team this year unless they trade him but the talent level they've had to have the lack of success they have in the last 10 years feels just just wrong (laughs) I I, you know on one hand you're absolutely right they should have gotten over the top um, they should have won a few more playoff games. There, there's no doubt. You know, on the other hand, they, you know, they've gotten, they've gotten in position so many times. They've been in a conference with, you know, the greatest quarterback and, and coach of all time, and their, their defense just hasn't showed up and up in the playoffs. Throw all that out because none of that matters this year, and I think this year it is not too early to panic. And I, just something is rotten with this team. Maybe they've been together too long. The defense is certainly not up to snuff, and Ben Roethlisberger isn't quite himself. And this is one of those teams that I don't think it's too early for the fans to start being exceptionally worried and going crazy and complaining because I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think this is going to be a long, frustrating season for the Steelers in what is the best division in football. And, you know, there's going to be no gimmies in that division. I think they're going to have a hard time getting out of that division and getting into the playoffs. I want to put forward one final uh, thing for for the season so far. The, the big winner, the big positional winner of the year so far. Uh, and I think it's safeties because we had so okay. much nonsense going into the season with Eric Reid not having a job. And I think it took Vicaro a long time to find a team. And he's been brilliant for the Titans. And we had so many kind of players that, that there was talk about the 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 position in particular being uh, downtrodden. We've had the best rookie of the year so far on the defensive side of the ball has been a safety in Derwin James. You've got the Baltimore Ravens who paid their safeties and have got a really good pair of them who are leading that defense. And then you've got a team like Atlanta who lose their safeties and have completely fallen apart. I think people are going to finally realize that a safety is someone you should be paying. And maybe we'll see less one finger salutes from a certain L Thomas. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough moment to see Earl Thomas go out like that, especially hearing the report that well, we had on NFL Network this uh, morning that the Chiefs were getting close to a possible trade for Earl Thomas if that hadn't happened. Ugh. I like your theory. You know, I think it, those inside the game certainly have never devalued safeties. It's just uh, it's hard to find good ones. It's such a t- The NFL makes a lot of defensive positions tough, and, and safety is is near the top of the list because they have to do so much in today's game. But if you can find a good one, that's an ultimate trump card because there's so few of them. Hi, everyone. It's Dev off the radio here. We're doing a brand new podcast from LucasAid Sport called Running the Show. And I'm Sam Thompson from Made in Chelsea. I'll be joining annoying slash being overly affectionate with Dev for the next 12 weeks as we both take up running for the first time. Make sure you join us on all your podcast providers to find out which one of us is killing the training and which one of us is hating every second. Probably me. Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL. Just a little something different to start the show off with. Uh, Ollie, let's start. 
I'll look back at week four games. An up and down week of games. Three games going to overtime. And just, you know, yet again, some expectations turned on their head. Some things being exactly what they thought they were. Some rookies performing. So where would you like to start, buddy? Well, I know you wanted to pick Kansas City, Denver as your game. But I'm going to pick it as mine. No. I watched it this morning. Uh, I, I fell asleep last night. I was knackered yesterday. So I watched it on Game Pass yes, uh, earlier this morning. And, I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Just some, some, a few things that I noted. Pat Mahomes, his elusiveness in the pocket under pressure and calmness to make the right decision, which is either throw it to the ground, throw it away, find a receiver, throwing it across your body to to Travis Kelsey, finding um, Demarius Harris down the line, or one time he scrambled, finding Kareem Hunt. He was incredible against the best defense he's had to play against last night. And the Broncos offense didn't even play that badly. It's just when you have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt had his breakout game for this season, uh, that he finally managed to get to Travis Kelsey, and the other supporting cast, Conley et al., the, the Chiefs' offense looks unbelievable, and it was all typified by a, a scramble on. I think it was on the final drive for, to take the lead for Kansas City. Scramble to the left, and he's being pressured. And as he gets hit, he transfers the ball from right hand to left because the pressure is coming from his right. He's going to get tackled on his right, and he throws a ball that, with his left hand. He for pulls a, first a fav. Down. He pulls it's, a fav. It's un. Believable. He is incredible. So, they, this was Pat Mahomes' worst game as a starter for the Chiefs. And yet, he still snapped the Broncos' 38 game streak of not allowing a 300 yard passer, scored his first career rushing touchdown, which I think will surprise some, commits no turnovers, orchestrates the fourth quarter comeback on the road against divisional foe, and improves to 5 and 0 as chief starter, with no less than four of those wins coming on the road. I do still fully expect that there will be some slowdown in the Chiefs' offense as the season goes on, as people see from the chief as they they kind of learn and see what's uh, that offense is doing and and what his particular you know strengths and weaknesses are but the problem is is that when he, you see plays like the left-handed throw when you see plays like there was a third and 20 or a second and 20 where they'd had two penalties on the first two plays no it was a, that was it. it was a second and 30 sorry uh on that fourth quarter game winning drive um, no, it was just after the left-handed toss and they'd had two big penalties and he transferred out to the right-hand side, rolled out of the pocket under huge pressure, two completely free rushers all over him, got almost right down to the sideline and found a man down the sideline for about a 24, 25-yard pickup, which put them in a third and manageable situation. You just went, you know, this is a guy who he has the pocket escape ability and playmaking ability of a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers but he also has the pocket presence and the ability as a pocket passer of an excellent pocket passer and an offensive line which allows him to do that and a running game and the weapons around him. And of a Kirk Cousins say. Oh, I just, I love him. I love watching him play. I love watching the Chiefs play. They are yeah. the most fun team right now. The problem is, is that their defence absolutely sucks. Um, they gave up, other than the one-handed interception, because... 
wow, 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 one-handed, no-look interception. Because, you know, if, if your offense is balling out, you probably need to do something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, f- that was um, uh, the Eric Murray uh, play that I'm talking about. Yeah, but- Jeff Herman, yeah. The Broncos and that offense, which still struggling to get much going through the air. Demarius Thomas had a decent night. Emmanuel Sanders looks like a decent player. But Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay could just run. They were averaging eight, nine yards a carry each. And both with a score, just it was a little bit embarrassing on the ground. So they need to fix that big time. Eric Berry would be huge for them as of when he gets back. Um, but yeah, the Chiefs keep on rolling how do you? How much do you feel that that um, the how interesting the Broncos were on offense, especially with Lindsey and Freeman on the ground? How much is that because the Kansas City Chiefs' defense isn't very good, or is it a bit of both that we're actually seeing something quite interesting from the Broncos on offense? They've been a much better team on offense in terms of the design this year. I just think Case Keenum limits what you can do. Um, I think that they will, they're a more interesting team than I was expecting them to be this year. Um, I, I kind of had them down as a potential kind of five-win team because of the, the just the drop-off in talent. But actually, they're managing to put stuff together. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with, say, the Rams in a couple of weeks. They've got the Chiefs again in October. There are some rough games for them um, in terms of offences they're facing. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I think the Broncos will stay relevant. Um, let's move on. Oh, by the way, next up, Chiefs-Jags. That oh, matchup. It's, it's, um, it's the late game. It's not the late game. It's the medium game on Sunday, isn't it? The medium game. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like a 9.30 game, isn't it? I like it. I like the description. Think, yeah, yeah, the 925 game. Yeah, that's going to be great. I Let, it could yeah, yeah. Let's work let's work our way back through primetime because I want to talk about Ravens Steelers our live game on TalkSport this past weekend. And I want to talk about how the Baltimore Ravens might be the best overall team in the AFC. I know that I said this hyperbolously about other teams in recent weeks. And the AFC North, by the way, incredibly relevant we talked a little bit about the browns with um uh, with greg rosenthal and about the rookie quarterbacks and how josh rosen was the one so far but baker mayfield still had a good game the browns could easily be four and oh with a couple of plays breaking their way uh, they've been in every game they've been exciting games they've uh, lost on stupid things like that carlos hyde decision this weekend the bengals look good and we'll talk about them in a bit um the the steelers at the moment Obviously not from a talent perspective, but from a coaching perspective, might be the worst team in the AFC North. Yeah, uh, given that the Browns are scoring points, they've got their win, they tied with the Steelers in a game that the Steelers actually should have won. But just the, the, the coaching is just absolutely dreadful. It was 47 yards total in that second half when they brought it back to 14 apiece. They couldn't get anything going. I noticed that the Steelers in the first half were 6-for-6 six six when they targeted their tight end, either a, a little dump-off or down the middle. It was Vance McDonald and uh, Jesse James. Vance had five catches, five of five um, targets, and one for one from Jesse James. In the second half, they didn't do any of that once. They didn't even look at a tight end. Not one ball was thrown to a tight end where they had so much success in that first half, and that's part of what helped them get back to 14-all. Just 
they completely froze the offense. The offensive coordinator who used to be Big Ben's quarterbacks coach, he was quarterbacks coach for 10 years, I think he's woefully out of his depth. And the Steelers were dreadful in that second half. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it almost it could have been and should have been more from the Baltimore Ravens. The offense were just so vanilla, so poor in the second half. The Ravens completely controlled them. And I said it to Greg earlier, their safety play was absolutely superb. When you consider the other safety-based storylines going on around the league this weekend, the team who paid two safeties and they put in a performance like they did get in there. I I really, really enjoyed watching the Ravens, which is something I've not been able to say for a very long time, to be honest, because... <laughs> Probably since the Super Bowl, you're still, almost, you're still hurting and, and since then, and you've just about gotten over it. You know what I mean. I don't mean since the Super Bowl. I mean, because they're not very exciting team to watch. Um, the, yeah, I guess there is a bit of that as well. Bitterness <laughs> is something which absolutely permeates all areas of my life, as you know well. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on and talk about another game. And this one is for you to pick, Ollie. Uh, well, we're going to go for uh, the in almost chronological order. Let, let's talk about uh, Detroit and Dallas. Because Zeke Elliott had an absolutely monster game. Over 200 yards from scrimmage. Um, it, it, it took a, a final field goal from... Mayer, the man who replaced Dan Bailey to win the game, and and lo and behold, he did it. But the Cowboys just getting it done in their own building. I think the Cowboys aren't a very good team. So what does that make the Detroit Lions when they go on the road? I don't know. It's just, it was a bit of a weird game, this one. Yeah, so my feeling on the, um, my feeling on what the Cowboys did this weekend is that finally they managed to get Ezekiel Elliott going, and that's obviously clear from the fact he had career-level quality statistics, uh, that he had his, um, that it was 240 yards total through air and ground. But what they did really well, and you saw it on his touchdown off the pass, is that they finally got a screen game going. And it's amazing to me that considering how few weapons they have on offense how little they have in the receiving game and just how athletic and movable the Cowboys offensive line is you how has it taken you this long to start to implement the screen game more it worked really well there it worked brilliantly with him coming out of the backfield for what turned into that long 34 yard odd completion for him to kill the game off but when you've got Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith, uh, the players that can all be moved and can all make an impact. Uh, you can pull block, you can screen, you can... They just need to get far more inventive. And their offense has been so vanilla. But finally, Scott Linehan did something interesting. What I don't want them to see is what we've seen from teams like... I mean, you mentioned we mentioned it with the Steelers. First half, the Steelers came out and did some really interesting things on offense. Uh, the little swing passes to Vance McDonald, uh, the play-action stuff, stuff that really, really worked. They, and then in the second half, they went away from that when they were down. It was a poor decision. Whereas I just want the cat to know that the Cowboys are going to come out and keep doing this because that is the way that they are going to stay relevant as a team this season. However, on the other side of the ball, Demarcus Lawrence is a wrecking machine and they are going to have a real problem this off season because they're going to have to pay him big, big money. The only thing Absol- is... Absolutely, I, just, I totally agree with you, yeah. 
I don't think there's a team that's done a worse job than Dallas when they've got Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott both on absolutely measly contracts comparatively of getting you know, the best free agents in of really building their team in the way that, say, like a Seahawks or someone like that did when they had a cheap quarterback. That's the only thing I would say. I, I'm not that concerned about the Lions. They shouldn't have lost this game on, on balance. It was a big comeback in the fourth quarter that didn't quite come off. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, many people thought they might be before the year, but they are still they showed some identity like they did in the win last week over the patriots i think they were they kind of a real 8 and 8 type team but they could be an 8 and 8 team that make improvements which could help them going forward beyond this season talking of 8 and 8 golden tate was eight receptions off eight targets 132 yards two touchdowns he's just one of that trio of wide receivers for the detroit lions goladay and marvin jones being the other two those three could be maybe the most talented trio of wide receivers in the league. And then Carrion Johnson, he seems to have surpassed now LeGarrette Blunt as the number one back in 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 Detroit. So with the with the Packers up next at Ford Field, they'd look for a bounce back win against them. But yeah, it's so competitive in that NFC North that the Detroit Lions are going to have to pull something out of the bag defensively to because offense, offensively I think they're fine but defensively they need to pull something out of the bag to kind of challenge all of those other guys I realised when we were talking about the Steelers we didn't talk about the fact that Le'Veon Bell's coming back Le'Veon Bell has confirmed that he will return to the team during the week seven bye if not before uh, that puts him uh, coming back in uh, about three weeks time it will mean that he still returns in time, the 20th of October appears to be the, the date that's been set. If he comes back and signs the franchise tag that day, then the Pittsburgh Steelers still have 10 days to trade him. And once he's on the franchise tag, he becomes much easier to trade than a, a, a player who has been given the franchise tag and not signed it. So there's a lot of talk about how he will make an impact and be a difference maker. I just think that be just just keep an eye on the fact that they could welcome him back with open arms and then get him out the door within the next two or three days after that. Just just a little, <laughs> yeah, just just a little side thought. With your uh, turn, you you pick, and and I I stupidly picked out of turn uh, because that was of course a, a six o'clock game rather than no uh, way, late we, games. So we that, we, it's all out it's all out of the window. You pick your next game, Willie. So. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a game just to talk about very very briefly, uh, the Seahawks Cardinals because I I mentioned it uh, briefly with Greg but because I didn't watch the six o'clock games live this week I went back and I watched and I specifically watched the rookie quarterbacks and just starting off on the Seattle side getting the win it's important for them if they want to stay relevant the Earl Thomas stuff I mean it's just you're at a point now where. This is now a dreadful situation for everyone. The Seahawks were holding the Cowboys to ransom, and apparently the Chiefs were close to getting a trade deal done. But if they were close to getting a trade deal done, why even play Earl Thomas this week? Just accept that there's a trade deal in the works. Just don't even bother playing him. Because now they're going to get nothing for him. He's going to leave in a fr- on a free in the summer. He's going to... On a free, it may sound like football. Um, <laughs> 
he's going to um, uh, he's going to leave for free in the summer. He's not happy because he's not going to get his trade and extension now. Plus, the fact that he's coming off an injury probably means he doesn't get the same level of contract he would have had everyway. Literally, everyone has lost in this situation. And when we were just talking about Le'Veon Bell, man, does it justify what Le'Veon Bell's done? in his mind at least, which is the most dangerous thing possible, that if he believes that he's done the right thing, then other players will begin to believe that too. So, you know, the one-finger salute to the sideline, was it silly? Probably. But I felt his frustration. Just the whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I can't agree with you anymore on any of that. But what did you make of Josh Rosen? That's what I wanted to actually talk about. Although, uh, <laughs> yes, I quickly. thought I'd bring it back. <laughs> yeah, Mike Davis. By the way, well done, Mike Davis. Yeah, good, good uh, for you, big guy. See how I run it back. Good game, good game. Expect him to be popping up on a lot of waiver wire pickups this week in fantasy. Um, you look at the box score; and it doesn't look incre- it doesn't look anything special. Fifteen to twenty-seven, hundred and eighty yards, a touchdown. He did not get a lot of help. Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald with two, and J.J. Nelson all had drop passes. Um, But his uh, ball placement was absolutely beautiful. And he made some great sideline throws, and he made throws where he was sidearming the ball and throws on the run. And and I think, so far, he was talked about the most pro-ready of the quarterbacks coming out. He showed that to me. And because if they had a few more playmakers on that offensive side of the ball, I fully think the Cardinals would have won this game. They had the balance of play. They just had drops. They had when you got Larry Fitzgerald dropping two passes in the first half, you know, you're going to have an unlucky day. Mm. So I, I really, really like Rosen. I think if we just want to very quickly rattle through and talk about the others, because we don't need to go more into that Raiders Browns game, but Mayfield had the turnovers, but still showed the flashes of greatness. Um, maybe we'll talk a bit more in depth about Donald uh, and the Jets because, yeah, it was at a, a slightly disconcerting performance from him on that one. But the Bills-Packers, let's talk about that game. Yeah, I watched this game and um, Aaron Rodgers has come out afterwards and said this is a non-playoff offense but a championship defensive performance. And the defense was great. But they were going up against Josh Allen, who didn't look great. The he, he made some poor decisions, where holding on to the ball for too long. Green Bay registered seven sacks. Kyler Fackrell, much maligned Kyler Fackrell with three of them. Green Bay played well. They they played well. The defense played really well. But when it comes to the, to that offense. There were drop passes. Geronimo Allison dropped an awful lot of passes. A lot of people, and especially on some Packers Facebook uh, threads that I'm... I don't know why I'm, I'm subscribed to them. Always a risk. Yeah, always a risk. Because people are, are moaning at Rogers. He shouldn't be speaking out a, a, about this. What leadership does it show? I think that from his point of view, there were some bizarre play calls where they're not getting the ball to Devontae Adams, and that's something that that Rogers highlighted specifically. Uh, there were a lot of swing passes or checkdowns or designed checkdowns called by the offensive coordinator and Mike McCarthy, which were immediately snuffed out. And th- that was going on throughout the game. So the Bills had obviously worked that out and the, gr- the Packers had thought about not 
doing those things anymore. Positively, the numbers don't look great, but Aaron Jones did. Aaron Jones did. There was one really, and check out my Twitter, at Ollie Hunter, where I've retweeted Aaron Nagler, who um, often highlights a load of Packers plays, and one jump cut, which is absolutely filthy, behind the line of scrim- scrimmage, and he jumps back. Aaron Jones looked really good. and But but it took them, it took Green Bay three series to get him in because they went with Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery first up. It was comfortable. It was really comfortable against the Buffalo team who I think have found their level. I don't think their level was against the, the Minnesota Vikings in week three. They found their level in week four. I'm not sure what the Packers are at the moment. It, it's the great return of, of my my fabled feature. What, what <laughs> your, are they? <laughs> your award-winning segment. <laughs> yeah, what are they? And I'm not sure what the Packers are at the moment because without Randall Cobb, the, who also had a load of drops last or in week three, he was out inactive this week. Um, the, the, I don't know what they are on offense because the running game isn't totally sorted out. Rodgers, who looks far better running with the ball this week than he did previously because of that injury. He looked far better, but I still don't know what they are on offense. And on defense, they could be the, the, the team that let up, that was porous against Washington or the team that was imperious against Buffalo. I, ju- I don't know what they are. Wonderful use of imperious, buddy. Your pick. Uh, well, N- NFC North... What is going on? What are they? What is Mitch Trubisky? Because the Chicago Bears beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 48-10. to 10. I don't think this was much of a surprise, even though I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I really thought about... I think, thought that the Chicago Bears were going to do Chicago Bearsy things and destroy Tampa Bay. But Mitch Trubisky, first time ever in franchise history, five touchdowns in one half. He had six touchdowns through the air throughout the game. And... I said it on the our Sunday night coverage on Talk Sport. Did aliens come down and replace him with someone else? Because he was actually <laughs> really, really good. There's this, there's this um, myth that he can't throw to his left, and he hadn't completed a pass to his left in the NFL so far. Well, I think three of his touchdowns came from really good throws out to his left. He looked really, really good, Willie. So what we do have to say is... We have to mention the number of his throws, which were to wide open guys. There were, I think, three of three of six, maybe even four of six touchdowns to someone where there wasn't anyone within six or seven feet of him. And uh, that that is down to Matt Nagy and that is down to scheming and that is down to the offensive line being brilliant. And they are throws and we joke about this, but they are throws that if you had a half decent arm and you knew what the scheme was, any any quarterback in the league should be able to make those throws. Any of the kind of, what is it, 96, once you take third stringers into account, should be able to make those throws. So I think that people have maybe gone a little over the top with the Trubitsky love. There were one or two that were good tight window throws that were ones worth highlighting. Um, but yeah, the use of Tariq Cohen was really good. The... Yeah. They're, they're, they they schemed this and made this happen. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also fell apart. They were dreadful on in the secondary, mm. porous defensively. They had a terrible, terrible game. And when they couldn't match it on the offensive side of the ball uh, because they were going up against the best defense in football right now, 
it was no huge shock to see what we saw. Um, though I think I also took the Bucks in a moment of madness. Yeah, I think I did. I think it was a, an anti-Chicago thing that I did it, but I didn't believe it because the Bears and I'm 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 going away from my anti-Bears thing because they are so much fun to watch on defense. Khalil Mack is just incredible. He had another three tackle game, another sack, another forced fumble. He's brilliant. But I I, I want to pick you up on what you said about um, Tariq Cohen. Matt Nagy has got him playing incredibly well. He had 120 something yards on the ground uh, through the air, and it's all of that designed getting him open up against either. Um, coming out from the backfield, catching swing passes and checkdowns, etc., or lining him up against linebackers who just can't cover him, and he is looking really, really good. Can we uh, can we talk about? I'm going to pitch a division here. Yes, let's. rather than a game. Let's talk about the AFC South because three games involving teams from this this weekend. Obviously, as the Texans and the Colts played each other. <clears throat> the Texans coming out 37 to 34 winners in overtime thanks to that decision. But we'll uh, we'll run through the, the all three of the games. I just think this could be that the sneaky great division in football this year. We talked in the season going about the intrigue of the AFC West, not knowing what they were, the NFC South being absolutely loaded, and I still think there is a, a big argument for that. But the AFC South, you've got the Titans, who ran out uh, winners this weekend over the Super Bowl winning Eagles with, thanks to Marcus Mariota. Brilliant. Greg said earlier he was the player whose opinion he had through the first three of the weeks, first three weeks of the season has changed most with his performance on Sunday. Uh, getting that fourth quarter comeback, that drive was absolutely superb. Two fourth down conversions, just really, really strong work up and down the field. Um, the Eagles secondary, it was a little bit of a worry and will, I think, continue to be a little bit of a worry. But while the running game was doing essentially nothing but divert away from the passing game, they did look really good, the Titans. And defensively, oh, I love that defensive backfield. I think they are a really, really good team to watch. They're at 3-1. and one. You've got the Jags at 3-1 and one with a big win over the Jets with, again, a really, really well-schemed offense, an offense that does everything it can to hide Blake Bortles. That's fine as long as he's making the plays and winning games. Um, and then you had this, uh, the game between the, the Colts and the Texans, which was an absolute slobber knocker. The Texans going up big, the Colts with a big comeback in which uh, Andrew Luck looked like a real quarterback who made real proper throws down the field and didn't have big arm problems. Um, but, ended up losing the game on a on a silly decision. And we've got to talk about both those fourth quarter decisions. So, first of all, is there anything you want to say about what I've already said so far before we talk about going for it on fourth down in overtime? Well, very quickly, Jarrell Casey, friend of the show, is quietly having a really, really good season. Probably one of the best D-linemen in the game at the moment. I really like what he's doing. So, what he's doing is allowing the, that secondary with Kevin Bayard et al. to then do what they do. So defensively, they look really good. And then, then the Titans on offense, I really liked Vrabel's call. Since when the when um, the field goal unit goes out to going to almost kick the, the uh, I think it's game-tying, 
um, field goal, he's, he, he thinks, do you know what? We've got these guys. And Mariota goes out, completes on, I think it's a third and long, then completes down to Corey Davis. It's just brilliant. A really, really nice play calling from Vrabel. And they're almost a, how are they three and one? But this game against the Eagles, they deserve to be three and one on the, off the back of this game. And then Jacksonville, Blake Bortles came out beforehand and said, we cannot play offensively the same way that we did the week before in the defeat, the 9-6 defeat against the Titans. And I thought that he actually played really well. And they're doing things by getting... Uh, Leonard Fournette goes out again, and then that opens up the, 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 the playbook again because TJ Yeldon had a really nice game. Um, Didi Westbrook and Dante Moncrief both had really good games as well, catching from um, from Blake Bortles. I think the Jets are, are a bit of a worry, but we'll get onto them later. So, yeah, get, get to this Colts-Houston game because I didn't, I didn't catch much of that. Well, I, there's not a huge amount else to say apart from the fact that we've got uh, two offences which this week finally started to click after looking bad through the first few weeks. Um, Andrew Luck really start, elevated his game this week uh, off the back of all the criticism he's had. And Deshaun Watson and that Texans offence, it it came together, it clicked. There was uh, you know, good connections with a number of his receivers. They still need a better running back than, than Lamar Miller, but the protection was better. Watson was better. I think this will be what you'll need. He will need to be a gradual improvement as the season goes on um, because of his, he's coming back from a horrible knee yeah. injury. He's on an offense which has some problems with talent, particularly on the line, and this was his best game of the season. The, the, what I want to talk about is the two fourth down attempts because uh, starting off with the the one in the um, in in the Titans game, going for it on fourth down when you're in opposition territory, um, in order to essentially get into the position where they could, they could get that get that game winning touchdown at the end was just just great, just a really really good decision made in the right way. Vrabel dialed up a really good play, and everyone deserves a thumbs up. It worked. There was a very similar decision in in the Colts game by Frank Reich, and Frank Reich comes out of the Eagles system, and their you know their pure aggression was what won them the Super Bowl over the New England Patriots more than anything else. I believe was the aggressive play calling. Goes through on fourth and four from his own 43 with about 25 seconds left of the game, knowing that he could punt and take the tie. He says, when they Andrew Colt goes incomplete, he says that, you know, we're not here to tie games. We're always going to go for the win. I try and make that play 10 times out of 10. Now, he has come in for absolute pelters for this. He has come in for, I mean, I, you know, Hyperbolus Matt Sherry claimed it was the, uh, it was the worst decision coaching decision he's seen in overtime ever because that's what his hyperbole says but I'm here to kind of defend the decision I have no problem with Frank Reich doing what he did because with 24 seconds left maybe he should have run the ball and it would have taken an extra three or four seconds off before the the clock went uh, because on turnover downs the clock stops anyway but he backed his defense to make a play knowing that the Texans needed 25 plus yards 
on one play to get into field goal range. The problem was that they didn't execute. I don't hate the coaching decision. I hate the execution. They didn't execute on the play on fourth and four, and then they didn't execute on the play where they found DeAndre Hopkins for the 25-yard completion that put them in field goal range. But everyone who's saying, oh, this is one of the worst decisions I've ever seen, this is absolutely dreadful, I don't buy into that. It's a classic. If it had worked, people would have hailed him as some kind of conquering hero. It didn't work. They get they eat the loss, but I think they learn a lot from it. We've seen a lot of improvement from Andrew Luck. I think there's been a massive overreaction to it. I I agree with you, and it was ballsy, and it was the right decision in his mind. But in a division where teams are taking wins off of each other, home and away, they then have um, they all have to play the uh, AFC North and the NFC East, where the teams you could argue will also take games off each other we could see that and you said this this division could be really close i expect the jags to perhaps run away with it in 11 and 5 but to to come second in that division and perhaps get into the playoffs a tied game over a loss may swing it so I don't. I don't think the Colts are in that position. I don't. I think that the. I think that the Titans might actually win this division if Bortles Bortles. Um, but I, I think the Titans and Jags are the class of the division, and the Colts and the Texans are both improving. I think that they can all be frisky against each other. But yeah, I, you know, I, I'm. I just think that it was made too big a deal of, particularly on our WhatsApp group where no one else can see what a big deal it was made out of. But I don't hate the decision. Okay. Um, all right, moving on. All right, where do you want to go next? Did the AFC South? Uh, yeah. Do you want me to tell you what games we've got left? Yeah, tell me. Shall we do? Let's go. We spoke about the the AFC South having to play the AFC North. Let's go to New England and the Dolphins taking on the Patriots. And it was easy for the New England Patriots. Yeah, and and this was the game that was could be the moment where um, the Dolphins proved that this three and zero start to the season was everything. And I think it is it would be ridiculous to overreact and say that uh, this proves that the Dolphins aren't a good football team. But they did get absolutely waxed. They were thirty eight to nothing down, and Brock Osweiler came into the game in the fourth quarter uh, with 10 minutes to go they waved that surrender flag Frank Gore ended up reaching the uh, uh, reaching the end zone on a pass to avoid the, the shutout uh, who thought Brock Osweiler to Frank Gore was a touchdown we were going to see uh, in uh, in Foxborough this no weekend but um, you know uh, t- uh, until that point in the game Sonny Michel had more rushing yards than the entire Dolphins offense had total yards and this was against a team where they were meant to have a slow defense that was going to have problems and uh, going against this fast weapons offense with a decent offensive line, with a great run game, with a, a, a excellent ability over the middle of the field on you know, getting the ball out quickly on those slants, etc. This was meant to be a good matchup for the Dolphins and it was anything but. Um, it was, yeah, the fact is that 
It was the first time that the Patriots had come out and run a really good run game, a really good kind of ground and pound. Michelle and White combined for 224 yards from scrimmage on, on 41 touches. James White with two touchdowns of his own. Sonny Michelle scoring his first touchdown in the NFL. 449 yards of total offense. I'm not, yeah, like I say, I'm not ready to write Miami off entirely, but, you know, Josh Gordon brought some a couple of catches in for 32 yards on the only two targets he got. Gronkowski got targeted plenty. Edelman coming back after his suspension next week. The first signs that the Pats are absolutely fine after that back after those back-to-back losses. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Gronkowski left the game with an ankle injury. It's a short week. Thursday night football is against the Colts. I wonder if he'll play. It may be if they need him to play and they are down in the second half he might come into the game he may not play and uh, perhaps we'll see more from Josh Gordon Cordero Patterson Philip Dorsett Chris Hogan their wide receiving core suddenly doesn't look that bad the 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 touchdown catch from Dorsett where he somersaulted to control the ball was brilliant really really enjoyed that I mm-hmm. thought I haven't got anything to say about Miami I think they are in a false position at 3-1 and one. I think they could end up being an 8-8 eight and eight team if they're lucky. And uh, I, it's, back to, it's normal service resumed if, as far as I'm concerned with, uh, with the New England Patriots. Yeah, interested to see what, the, um, what they will do on the defense, continue to do on the defensive side of the ball, the Patriots, whether this was a real get healthy performance or whether they go up against different teams, you know, better offences than than the Dolphins were on the day and prove themselves. Um, the other person to mention is Xavier Howard because there was some real back and forth going on Twitter about him. He has been one of the best corners, top five, if not top three in the league through the first three weeks of the season. He did have a bad game here. I just, I'm not, yeah, again, not ready to write him off off the back of one bad game. The Patriots go up and they face the Colts on Thursday night football now. Uh, That's in Foxborough, so that's, you know, you'd expect them to come away from that with the victory based on what we saw this weekend. But then they face the Kansas City Chiefs the following Sunday night live with me and Ollie on talk sport. Um, And that's where I want to see, I want to see the Patriots defense going up against Pat Mahomes and that chief's offense. That'll be a real indication over whether or not this Pats team is a deep playoff run slash Super Bowl team or whether it's a, a team that will be there or thereabouts, but actually we could see somebody in the AFC taking the mantle of them going to what three of the last four. (laughs) Sorry. Um, uh, how have we spoken for this long and not talked about Falcons Bengals? Which was an absolute barnstormer, doozy, slopper knocker, all of the above. It was a brilliant game. Brilliant game. Defense went out of the window for for a lot of this, but there was also a lot of pressure on both quarterbacks. I love this game. It was a great game. Sadly, Tyler Eifert. Broken ankle, out for the season again, just as he was getting back to some sort of form after getting injured a couple of years ago in the Pro Bowl. I just, I'm gutted for him, but I think the Bengals are actually a pretty, pretty good team. Oh, it's like I've been saying it for the last four weeks. Um, they were going up against that dreadful Falcons defense. They did actually have a period of time in the second half where they were struggling to put things together, where the Falcons came back into the game in a big way. Losing 
Dayon Jones, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen is still they they, you know, they still loom large as a real problem. Um, Tack McKinley three sacks actually gave the unit a really big boost, and I I think that if they can get pressure up front and he can make a difference, the high pick, then they could again they stay in games. That's the big thing. Um, the 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 thing that really got me going about the Bengals though that was the the drive to win the game. Two fourth down completions from Andy Dalton. Uh, AJ Green with the touchdown, who might be... I mean, we might have seen the best two receivers in the NFL in the same game. AJ Green and Michael Thomas. They were fantastic I mean, Michael Thomas on the wasn't day in this game, but yeah. Oh, what did I just... Oh, it's because I was reading about Falcon Saints. Yeah. But AJ Green and, <laughs> and Julio excited. Jones. Julio Jones had 173 AJ, yards. AJ Green and Julio yeah. Jones. Two of the two of the best three was what I was <laughs> trying to say. Uh, two of the best three. I'm going to claim that it's an absolute botch on my part, but um, I'm just going to go with it because I can't be bothered to edit just it out. Do it. Uh, yeah, I, it, this it feels like for the Bengals though a, a massive win mentally for them to go and get a victory like this because. Like I said about the AFC North earlier, they're going to look at the Ravens. They're going to see what they're doing. And they now have home games against the Dolphins and Steelers in back-to-back weeks. Could be a Bengals team that are 5-1 and one in two weeks' time very easily. I, yeah, I, I like them. I like the Bengals. I think they get a playoff team this year. Fonte's Perfect is back next week as well, or this week. So that is more muscle added to what is actually already quite a good um good defense and I, I don't think you, if you're a, a Bengals fan you should worry too much about conceding 36 points to the Atlanta Falcons especially in their home in their building because the Falcons offense is is lighting it up at the moment even without Devontae Freeman yeah it was a, it was a really really good game and I think the Bengals and um and the Ravens are going to be fighting it out for superiority in the AFC East AFC North sorry let We've got two more games to talk about. Um, neither of them need talking about in huge, crazy depth. But the Saints, uh, 33-2, uh, uh, 18 winners over the New York Giants. Alvin Kamara still continues to be an absolute disgrace when it comes to the quality of what we see from him on the field. Beautiful to watch. He is a bad, bad man. And they now get Mark Ingram back and all of the tweets after the game from them weren't celebratory tweets about the game. They were tweets celebrating that Mark Ingram was back, basically. So, uh, you know, they're only going to add another dimension to that already fantastic offense. I'm starting to lean towards them for my favorite team in the NFC for this year. I think there are other teams that will be just as in with a Super Bowl shout, but... If there's going to be a year for Drew Brees to grab one more in his career, it is set up for them to do it this year. The problem is the defensive side of the ball, and they need to, Patriots-esque, get better and better at that as the season goes on. Start to get some actual production out of Marcus Davenport, which we haven't seen yet. But they were intelligent, some good play calling. Taysom Hill got involved yet again. And actually, you know, against a team where Janoris Jenkins was playing really well, silencing Michael Thomas throughout a huge amount of this game, Landon Collins getting across and helping as well. They managed to find a way to win. I just, I'm just i trying to figure out how much I'm excited about their defence only conceding 18 points against this Giants team. Yeah, I mean, the Giants team offensively haven't clicked yet. I know they won in week three, but not looking great 
in this game. And the defence for the Saints, although the pressure up front isn't great, they they did enough to get the win. And I think it says a lot that when Drew Brees goes on the road and he's outside in the north, the northeast of the country, he doesn't have a great game. Alvin Kamara steps up, three touchdowns, brilliant. And with Mark Ingram coming back, that offense is just going to be completely opened up and really, really exciting. You say they're they're up there for you in the NFC. Don't forget about the Rams, who are amazing across across the board, and the Vikings are yet to to fully show what they're all about. Get going, and, and you've got to fully expect that. And with the Bears doing what. What they've done this week, I know it was against the dreadful Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a, it, it's a, it's a good it's conference. It's a great conference. And don't forget about Washington. I like their defense, Washington, and they're on a bye this week. But with Alex Smith and Jordan Reed and just the, the, their offense has Adrian Peterson looking back, maybe back to his best, and Chris Thompson is out of the backfield. So each division has teams in there that you could say – could be in the championship game, which is incredible. The the, the playoffs are going to be amazing. Want my, um, do you want my weekly Giants offense rant? Uh, do, I, do we have enough time for that, Willie? It's just Go very on. quick. First drive, 75 yards, 10 plays, touchdown, bang, seven first downs. What a great drive. The next four drives, not including the knee at the end of the half, generated 63 total yards on 20 plays, just four first downs and you actually heard Tony Romo on the commentary getting annoyed about the fact that uh, it felt like every pass was only going about three or four yards from the line of scrimmage against a Saints defense which has been burnt deep left right and center for the entirety of this uh, month it was just it was just so ugly to watch from a play calling perspective from an offensive line perspective and from an Eli Manning perspective I did not like Willie what's better Baseball markings on a football field or soccer markings on a football field because the San Francisco 49ers, 27, they lost to the LA Chargers, 29 points. And uh, this, obviously, this uh, is a game in a stadium where we will be uh, come November. But there was soccer markings all over the place. And then as I'm speaking to you, I'm, what are you doing back there? And as I'm speaking to you, I'm watching, um, I'm watching George Kittle run it and torch... The, a tight end torching a secondary with a dirty um, duke almost in the open field to, to score that 82-yard touchdown. Uh, CJ Beathard, I think, looked actually okay. The stats, 23 completions from 37 attempts, doesn't look that good, but I think there's cause for optimism there. Uh, Bethard did look good. I think there is cause for optimism. I think you're absolutely right. I still think the offensive line play is improving as it gets healthier and the guards get back in, in full swing, uh, who both missed the start of the season. Look, I, it is what it is. This year is going to be like this for the 49ers. There are going to be great moments of hope. Uh, defensively, they, they had some really good plays. The Obviously, Exum with the the... The touchdown return, the pick six, and the Chargers very nearly charged this, this game up. They managed to actually survive in the fourth quarter, which is important for them mentally. And uh, they've had a very up and down start to the year, but they're still very much in it in an AFC, which you're not going to need that many wins to make the wild card. They're going to need that now. I don't think this isn't. I don't think a Chiefs team who are going to do a five and O season that turns into a nine and seven season kind of thing. I think they are going to be much better than that this year. Um, on your first question, 
soccer markings over baseball markings because who likes the sand and the dirt getting on the lovely white away kits I don't like the unis ruined I don't like the fact that they're playing in sand it's nonsense I 100% agree and I think um, Willie that's, that's, that's it that's us done beautiful um, that, uh, we, we've still got to talk briefly about Thursday night football but we'll talk about that with uh with our friends at uh, at Skybet uh, as we preview Thursday night football but just from you I mean Patriots at home short week even with the Colts and, and Andrew Luck having an improved performance this week I'd be amazed if the Patriots lose this Patriots week. win big win bang right Ollie any final, no thoughts? final thoughts I have Jamie East desperate to get into this little studio so I will love you and leave you well, thank you very much for listening then. This has been The Gridiron Show, and let's head over to our friends at Skybet for our Thursday night football preview. Right, time to take a look now forward to Thursday night action, and we're joined by Jacob from Skybet. Uh, Jacob, uh, a decent week four. Yeah, I feel like we're saying this every week, but what a weekend of football. We had a, a great weekend, and it was a good weekend for the customers as well. There's lots of points about, there's actually points in every quarter of the 6pm and all the 9pm games, which was actually up on site as a featured request to bet at 40 to 1. So good job to all the people that got on that. Yeah, no, brilliant. Um, <laughs> shame I didn't really. <laughs> um what about um, so looking forward to normally we take a look at the Super Bowl odds not been any particularly big movements on this uh, uh, this week but uh, the one is um, the, the one is the NFC North where uh, the Bears just keep on looking like a, a good side absolutely I think after the performance at the weekend it'd be rude not to talk about Mitch Trubisky and the Bears after a cracking performance against the Bucks they continue to shorten in they're now into 2-1 to one for the division they were 9-1 to one before the season started you've got the Packers still at the top now at 6-4 to four, but the Bears and Vikings both at 2-1 to one. so this is starting to really hot up as a division the Bears with the slight lead in the standings but the Packers and Vikings kind of right behind them and then unfortunately the Lions sat right at the back at 16 to 1 where there's been some real Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde performances from the Lions one week they're beating the Patriots the next week not doing so well so yeah that's that's the kind of I guess the the crux of it isn't it that's the the big thing that's going to be keeping people away from it but sometimes those are the teams that once they can figure it out particularly on the defensive side of the ball they can start to go on a, a bit of a run um, I'm intrigued so the the other one we wanted to talk about we were talking about each week the, the we did the running backs we talked about the rookies uh, we talked about Le'Veon Bell um, this has been a ridiculous year for offense so far and I, I can't see that slowing down anytime soon I wouldn't be stunned if we had not just a five thousand yard passer but more than one five thousand yard passer this season which has only happened a couple of times in the past how are we looking for uh, for most passing yards for this year. Yeah, we've got this up now at the moment, and at the moment we've got Big Ben is sitting at the favourite at eleven to four. He's leading the league currently with one thousand four hundred and fourteen passing yards, and has just looked like they're putting the ball in his hands. I'm not sure if it's because they haven't got Le'Veon Bell, or just because they've been in a lot of games where they've been chasing 
where they've been behind and have to just throw the ball to get ahead. But he's thrown the ball 46 and a half times a game, which is staggering. Mm-hmm. In second second place in the uh, odds, we've got Drew Brees at 3-1. to one. He, I feel like he's always in the conversation for most passing yards. Of those eight 5,000-yard seasons we're talking about, he has five of them. So he's always in that conversation. Next up, we've got Kirk Cousins at six to one. He's also he's thrown the ball forty-seven point two times a game. So the ball's in his hands a lot. Some of that might have been down to Dalvin Cook's injury. Could just be again they're they're in chasing games. You look at last Thursday night where they were in that game with the Rams. He had to throw the ball a lot. Um, Some interesting kind of outsiders. We've got Jared Goff. He's at fourteen to one. That's a really explosive offense, and he currently sits second in the league with one thousand four hundred and six yards. So that's a good one if you're if you're after an explosive offense that could really keep keep taking the tops off of defenses. And Patrick Mahomes, after last night, we have to really talk about him in this conversation where he's absolutely just taken the league by storm. He's also sat at fourteen to one as well. I think that'd be interesting to see how that offense develops over the season, but some decent odds on those for passing leaders, considering that those offenses are the most explosive at the moment. I, you know, Rams, Chiefs, you expect those to be right up there coming come the end of the season. Um, let's look forward to Thursday night football because we've got the New England Patriots against the Indianapolis Colts. If there's one team you don't want to face on a short week it's normally the New England Patriots Tom Brady uh, is 6 and 0 on short weeks um, and in those six games, four and two against the spread. And also Andrew Luck is, um, is 0 and 5 against the Patriots. So it's not a surprise to see it's opened up with a rather big line this week. Not at all. And I think if there was ever a week where you didn't want to be on a short week against the Pats, it's this week for the Colts. T.Y. Hilton's looking like he could be out. Jack Doyle looks like he might still be out. There's a lot of injuries. I think there was almost nine players that didn't practice last uh, yesterday for the Colts. So if there's ever a week where you don't want to be facing the Patriots, especially on a short week, it's a week where you're, you've got a banged-up team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I think that whilst the Colts' front on the, on the defence has improved this year, I think the Patriots showed this week that they can put up points when they when they need to. And what I really like uh, for this week is that Sona Michelle really had his coming out game. I think he's going to be relevant for the rest of the year with the other injuries they've had at the back. But James White, two touchdowns, catching the ball out of the backfield. It looked like they realised. They looked like they finally established what the roles were going to be for those two. So I, I've popped together a request a bet for this week. I'm going with the Patriots to cover the line and for both James White and Sona Michelle to score touchdown either through the air or on the ground absolutely i think that's that's a it's a good shout when you're saying about them establishing the roles most most people would be kind of scared away from a committee backfield but in new england they're not afraid to just tell you what they're doing by who's in the game they almost shared snaps michelle had 33 james white had 40 but of michelle's 33 snaps 26 of those were run plays whereas of James White's 40 snaps, 29 of those were pass plays. Mm. So they're very uh, situation-specific players. Shoney Michelle had a, finally came into his own, 112 yards. And James White, eight receptions off eight targets. Like you said, two touchdowns. And he's had eight targets in three of his first four games. So they do like to use both of these players. And I expect them to continue that 
this week where maybe they're not sure if Gronkowski's going to play. It's Edelman's first game back. So it could be an interesting one for the running backs. So we've got New England minus nine and a half on the handicap with James White and Sony Michelle both to score at nine to two. Gorgeous. Perfect stuff. Um, look, uh, you still got uh, the request about offer on at the moment? Yes, we do. Yeah, every Thursday night is request a bet offer night. So if you spend £10 on any request a bet selection, then you'll get a £5 free bet to spend on any NFL market. Brilliant stuff, Jacob. Fantastic work as always. And please remember terms and conditions at skybet.com over 18s only. And please gamble responsibly. When the fun stops, stop.